Good morning, and peace be with you. We have our guests back this morning, Chris and Adair. Thank you very much for being with us and blessing us with your gifts. And I have a few announcements. I'll direct uh, you to the bulletin and the insert in the bulletin, of which I don't have the insert, but I'll let you read those on there. Um, but I have a... Oh, thanks. <laughs> Foiled again. <laughs> thanks, Teresa. Um, but the most important one is that uh, we have some a lot of talents in, in a church is made up of many parts, just like a body, right? We know that that's scriptural. And so we have some plumbers in-house. I'll bet you didn't know that. And um, for the men's room uh, and uh, for the ladies' room, uh, we we're going to see the automatic uh, flushers have been replaced with the good old tried-and-true manuals. And it's just a handle, and you don't have to pump it like we're getting grandma's water in her kitchen. We just hit that baby once, and away you go. So I just want you to, to know that. And uh, that was, uh, came down from me by our, our uh, last president. And uh, so I, I needed to bring that forward. For our guests, I apologize. That's some pretty exciting news around here, ladies. But <laughs> it's nice to have you here. Welcome. Okay, and I think what I'm going to do is uh, point out dinner in a movie night on February the 22nd, and that's at 5 p.m., dinner in the Fellowship Hall, and the movie is Courageous, so come and enjoy that with friends. And our Ash Wednesday is rapidly going to be upon us on the 26th of February, and uh, we will have... Uh, uh, an evening service and uh, food at 6 p.m., but there's also going to be a service at noon with the impartation of uh, ashes. So come for that as well. Yes, ma'am. No food on Ash Wednesday. Okay. No food. Eat before you get here or afterwards. Okay. All right. Well, I... Okay, and I think that's, that's got it. So let us stand. Let us sing as unto the Lord. Our opening hymn is Here I Am to Worship.
Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God, our Father, most merciful God, who confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins as your called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the
Lord, graciously hear the prayers of your people, that we who justly suffer the consequence of our sin may be mercifully delivered by your goodness to the glory of your name through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Morning. The first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 15 through 20, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 320. Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I commend you today to love your Lord, your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord, your God, will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have not set before you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the, for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land that he swore to give to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We will read Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8, responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. Psalm 119, 1 through 8. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. They do no wrong, but follow in his ways. O 
oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. I will praise you with an upright heart as I le learn your righteous laws. I will obey The epistle this morning is taken from 1st Book of Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, and can be found in your Pew Bible on page 1774. 1st Corinthians 3, 1 through 9. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as a people who live by the Spirit, but as a people who are still worthy, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready yet for that. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worthy, worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For who one, for when someone says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? only servants through when, who came to you to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither, neither one or, or the one who plants nor the one who waters is own anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants is the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers with God in God's service. You are God's field. God's building. Here in the reading, this is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew from the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1502. 
1502. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the honor altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid every last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven or for it's God's throne or by earth for it's his footstool or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head for you cannot make even one hair, white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, 
our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. This last week after the service in Sunday school, we had a discussion about salt, salt of the earth, and that was the lectionary series for last week, Matthew 5, 13, and um, I'm going to actually take a mulligan from last week and uh, take a swing at this one again for you all here. It does apply to the law. It does apply uh, to today's uh, uh, lectionary as well, but bear with me. I think you're going to enjoy it. From Matthew 5.13, it was said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So the question that came up in our Bible study was, how does salt lose its saltiness? Right, Eldred? And your pastor didn't really know, but he does now. So the question actually leads to more questions. Um, is this a, a reference to literal or is it figurative? Does anyone here, let me ask you this, does anyone here come from a science background, uh, either chemical engineering or anything? Does anyone, you know, okay, all right. Um, I know Hank does, and uh, this is a poor Hank endorsed. That's the second time they've heard this. Um, I have a, a very modest scientific background, and my education was uh, liberal arts, and so I got a little bit of everything, and, you know, I had a biology lab, and I had chemistry, so I got a, a, a kind of a working man's understanding of this stuff, so let me see if I can uh, share with you the exercise that I went through, see if we can logically think this through together. The first question that has to be addressed in regards to this is, what is the chemical composition of salt? Is it table salt, which is sodium chloride on the table, periodic table, it's NaCl. So let's just say for this, for argument's sake, let's just say that Jesus was speaking about table salt. And we know that when uh, sodium chloride is combined with water, it is a mixture, but it's not another compound. We know that there is no discernible chemical reaction just because it's put into the water. The salt particles, they enjoy a little extra space uh, of not being in a, in a crystal form, but the vast majority of the salt molecules will not, do not mingle with the water. In other words, they don't share an electron. So they're just kind of floating. I'm salt. Some of them are sinking, but they haven't changed. Still salt, hanging out in a lot of water, okay? Now, the only way for salt to lose its saltiness from a chemical perspective is for that chemical reaction to occur. Somehow we got to break the bond. Sodium chloride is a very 
very stable substance. The chemical bond is very, very tight. You see, sodium and chlorine are happy to become one and share their one electron. They are happy because things work out really well for them. They're like a happily married couple that just loves to be married, no matter what hits the fan. So pour them into water, and we're happy. We are together. Okay? Where are you going, Pastor? Hang in there. So now we know that sodium chloride is used for many purposes. It's used to add flavor to food. It's used to draw out the water in foods. It is used to cure food for longevity. And it is used to create traction on icy roads. Not here in California. And actually, calcium chloride is actually used for the purpose more. If you don't have any salt sitting around or any of the calcium chloride sitting around, you can use table salt to create traction on your front step on a snowy day. Can I get an amen here? Has anyone ever done that in the snow country? Bonnie, yeah, okay. So, um, again, no weather here in California. I wouldn't know anything about that. But, And I believe that um, salt was even at sometimes used for an antiseptic purpose. So, for salt to lose its pungent, its pungent saltiness or change, its physical composition, it would have to be diluted in water because it's in a non-reactive in its crystalline form. Or electricity would have to be introduced to force the sodium chloride into its ionic components, thereby changing its, com its chemical... <laughs> easy for me to say. The only way you're going to get them to break apart is you shock them, okay? And some, some of them will separate in the water, but the majority of them won't. Salt generally does not lose its saltiness. That is the answer to the question. But listen to me now. For the Christian, the salt of the earth, to lose its degree of saltiness, the gospel would have to be diluted in his life. One more time. For you and me to not be salty as Christians, the gospel that we receive from hearing the word would have to be diluted. Somehow, electrically, it'll have to, it has to be torn apart. What does that look like? Well, this person is a complacent Christian. This person does not protect the truth of the gospel in their lives from the rainfall of other ideas and ideologies, things like Buddhism, things like Islam, things like American culture. This person mixes the truth with a myriad of different ideologies. Or perhaps this Christian is a skeptic. You know, the hair-splitting Christian. What does a hair-splitting Christian sound like? They say things like, they believe in Jesus, 
but they don't really want their lives to be changed. They say things like, I know that the Bible says that premarital sex is not acceptable, but does that pertain to now, today, in 2020? They say, I know that the Bible says that I should not lie. But does that mean on my taxes too? Skepticism is an electric shock to the truth contained in the gospel. And instead of planting faith the size of a mustard seed, skepticism creates doubt that is as wide as the Grand Canyon. So thereby, I assert that the question that the Christian or the Christ follower must ask is this. Well, not necessarily how does salt lose its saltiness. Rather, the question should be, how then can I maintain my saltiness? And you're doing it now. In Matthew 5.20, it reads, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's some heavy-duty law. I want you to imagine for a moment the best person that you know. Can you picture them? This person is the nicest, the kindest person around. Can you picture them? Maybe they are the most holy or spiritual person you know, and, and this person, this guy, this gal, just puts you to shame with how good they are. They're the person that you wish you could be more like. Back in Jesus' day, that was the sort of, well, that was sort of how people viewed the Pharisees and the scribes. They were the top of the top. They were king of the hill. They were A number one. The scribes were just so smart, and they knew so much. And the Pharisees in their finery. They were just so respected and virtuous. <sighs> oh, to be like them. And then, in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus drops a law bomb. Jesus makes this astonishing assertion that our righteousness needs to exceed. It needs to be beyond that of the scribes and the Pharisees. How is that possible? Now, since we are people of 2020 and some 2,000 years down the line, we see how often the scribe and the Pharisees behave wretchedly. That wasn't much of a standard bar as you heard me read that, right? We knew they were 
They were bad. They behaved wickedly, wretchedly. They were, well, they weren't very impressive. And Jesus poked them right in the nose. And he said, you can't. You can't be in heaven unless you are more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees. It would be like saying this today. Bezos, the gentleman that owns Amazon, or Bill Gates, it would be like saying today, you need to be richer than Bezos or Bill Gates combined. It's almost nonsensical. But when Jesus teaches the fullness of the law, it's not just about outward appearances. It's not just about being a a swell guy or really, really nice. It's not just a question of well-disciplined, virtuous deeds. But it is about your words. It is about your thoughts. Indeed, to hate is as bad as murder. To call someone a bad name is hell worthy. That's the kind of righteousness that God, in his law, demands. I fell short on the way up here. Boy, I get in that car, right? Of ourselves, we aren't approaching that. We're not even close to surpassing the scribes and the Pharisees. Think about that. Not even close. But Christ Jesus, his righteousness, it is indeed beyond that of the scribes and the Pharisees. It's his righteous life. It's his righteous death. It's his resurrection that in fact establishes the kingdom of heaven. And he establishes it for you and for me. In your holy baptism, he poured all of his righteousness upon you. And he said, it's yours. That's that glorious exchange. Our sin for his righteousness poured out on us. And later this morning, poured into us. His righteousness. So in fact, everything that is Jesus's, everything that is his is now yours. He gives you all that he is so that in Christ, your righteousness does exceed the scribes and the Pharisees. And he gives this to you freely. We won't boast or brag about how great or virtuous 
we are. We know the law too well to claim it as our own, by our own doing. But you are righteous in Christ, my brothers and sisters, and the kingdom of heaven is yours because you belong to Jesus. And he gives you all good things. In the name of Jesus.
Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and the glory of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He descended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In your mercy, O Lord, hear the prayers of your people as we call to you on behalf of ourselves and all people as they have need. Let us pray. Gracious God, you have established your church through your word and called a people to wear your name and do your bidding. Guard her against all false doctrine and provide to her faithful pastors to preach your word and administer your holy sacraments. Give to us church workers who will serve us in your name according to their gifts and your purpose. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Lord, you have set before us life and good death, and evil. Grant to your people faith in Christ, our Savior, and the desire to keep your commandments, loving you above all things, and loving our neighbor as your Son has loved us. Lord, in your mercy, blessed Lord, you sustained hope through the ages by raising up prophets and priests. Give your spirit and wisdom to those who are now preparing for full-time church work. Help us to encourage young men and women to consider the pastoral vocation and young people all to serve in many different ways in Christian education as teachers. Bless all the seminaries, the colleges, and schools where church workers are being trained for your service. Lord, in your mercy, mighty Lord, your power is greater than the works of man. Guide and direct those whom we have elected to serve us on all levels of government. Protect those who Defend us against our enemies and bless the emergency personnel who come to our aid in times of disaster and need. Lord, in your mercy, merciful Lord, you do not forget the poor or needy. Help us to remember those who suffer any want or need. 
especially the homeless, the victims of abuse, the widowed, the orphaned, and the unemployed, and help us to aid them with manifold resources that you have supplied. Lord, in your mercy, healing Lord, you are our very present help in time of need. Deliver the sick in mind or body from their ills according to your mercy. Comfort those who sorrow and have mercy on those to whom death draws near. Grant them the full measure of your consolation and love. Whether in healing of their affliction, strength to endure under trial, or perfect healing of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, Lord, in your mercy. Loving Lord, your Son has set his table in the presence of our enemies. Help us to know the comfort and strength of his presence as we feast upon his body and drink of his blood in the blessed sacrament. By this communion, grant us the gifts needful that we may be strengthened in faith and perfected in holiness unto the day of his coming in glory. Lord, in your mercy. Generous Lord, you have given us gifts and graces more than we deserve and far beyond what we dare ask. Give us grace so that we may share your blessing with those in need. Supply the resources to enable your church to do your bidding and support the mission endeavors of your church, both near and far. Lord, in your mercy, eternal Lord, we recall with thanksgiving all those who have loved your appearing and who have departed this life in faith. Encouraged by your favor toward them and their faithfulness to you, we pray that you keep us in fellowship with them and at the last to bring us with them to the marriage supper of the Lamb in your kingdom, which has no end. Lord, in your mercy, and almighty and everlasting God, you know before we pray the needs of your people. Hear our prayers, for we trust in you to grant to us all things needful for this body and life and to bring us to everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace.
Thank you, Chris. Will you please stand? Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord sharing our life he lived among us to reveal your glory and love and that our darkness should give away to his own brilliant light. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy. was betrayed. He took the bread and he gave thanks. Then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I really appreciate the hymn after the sermon. Uh, 
And at the end, I surrender all. And for us, the idea of surrendering to have victory seems foreign. But that's really what it is. We surrender to him, our will for his perfect will. We surrender to him, a God not made in our image or the way we want, but him, God, light from light. This morning, we have an opportunity to be blessed for him to give to us, which was his and is now ours. This table is prepared. If your faith and your confession is Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of sins, if you call on him as Lord and Savior, if you call on Abba, Father, rescue me, then come. The table is prepared. This meal is for you. You may be seated and the ushers will bring you forward. Weren't we just talking about purify my heart in Sunday school last week? Weren't we singing that, Eldred, didn't we? Saying, I missed that one. I could have sworn we did. Thank you, you guys. If we didn't, I was thinking it. But purify my heart. That was beautiful. Thank you. Well, now we know all about salt. Ionic bonds. Happy married couple. Unless electricity breaks them apart. But the real question is, as a Christian, how do I stay salty? And it's by being in the Word. It's by being around other Christian brothers and sisters that speak words of life. Words that build up and don't tear down. So, pretty easy recipe to follow, don't you think? Our uh, sending hymn is uh, Our God. And uh, when Tracy and I were on our way to, as a family to, become, to come back to the Christian walk, my wife had not been, I used to tease her a lot because we would listen to the fish and I would put my hands up at stoplights like this with the Christian music playing and she'd get really bent. And, and then I find out, well, Lutherans don't really do that. We don't raise our hands, right? This is raising your hands as a Lutheran, Right. So, your pastor's going to raise his hands a little bit today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But uh, sing this with joy. It's a beautiful song. And now, the benediction. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our God, turn into water.